You're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, your source for all the Baltimore Ravens news and information. Now ice up, hon. Hey, and what's we, going on, um, Ravel.tv? Yes, I just cut off Matthew Stevens because I'm doing the intro now. I'm Haas Delgado, baby. No, I'm just kidding. How's everybody doing today? I hope you're doing well. It's been a good Thursday. I've had a good day. Matt, what about you? Dude, I'm drinking a Shinerbach. I could not be happier. Got a bottle of wine in front of me. I'm doing well. Uh, that's good to hear. Absolutely. Now, first off, I'm going to kick it off with some Rally Bus. Rally Bus is offering luxury buses to and from the Baltimore Ravens games and all other sports events this, e- this season, and they have been actually for a while. If you use the promo Ravens Rally 10, you do get $10 off of your booking. Definitely a suggestion here from us, Matt and I, and all of Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. That does include Daniel Park. He is the writer of our shows every single week, and he does a damn fine job, if I do say so myself. But once again, that is Ravens Rally 10, R-A-V-E-N-S-R-A-L-L-Y-1-0. $10 off your booking. Can't get better than that. Ride happy, ride smart, rally bus. Now on to the actual show we have this evening. Rally bus is definitely included in on that show, though. Don't you think about other things on that. We do have to start off with preseason game two. We are going to recap that just real quick. We're going to try. First off, that score is not pretty, and I definitely assume that people are going to be wondering what's going on with that. Matt, do you got anything to start off? The Eagles led 30-0 to until the fourth quarter. What do you got to think about that, man? Uh, I think it's preseason, and I think I just want to forget about it. And yeah, I, I just gonna I'm gonna pretend like it didn't happen. I think that's the best way to go about it. Thirty to zero until the fourth quarter means that our starters were definitely not looking pretty. We couldn't stop the run game. Ryan Matthews scored a running touchdown, a rushing touchdown, excuse me. Uh, Demarco Murray scored a rushing touchdown. Darren Sproles looked good against us. We really we didn't show up to the game. Our our defense was not looking well. Joe Flacco threw two interceptions, couldn't get it going this evening. One of them was a deep ball that was batted out of the air, got picked off. Second one definitely was on him. But nonetheless, you know, we did not look good as a team. I say we because obviously I was out there suited up. You guys didn't notice me, though. I looked just about the same as Brandon Williams. That's why. But, you know, that's obviously – we didn't – they didn't play all too well and – there's not much else to say about it. I mean, Bryn Renner looked great. Uh, his stats definitely look uh, capable as the Ravens' backup. He is still fighting for the uh, backup quarterback position with Matt Schaub, and that made a, a decent case for him. But, Matt, what do, you, do you have anything else to add to this, uh, this terrible preseason Week 2 game? Well, I think everyone needs to remember that it is preseason. The Ravens are running basic schemes, uh, and according to Dean Pease, uh, he did not game plan all that much or at all, really, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Despite them practicing for three days together, 
just not game planning for him is not all that uncommon. It's a preseason opponent. You're not really going to face a team like Philadelphia for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So you don't really worry too much about that no huddle offense and stuff like that. Uh, The big thing is, and uh, Dean Pease did mention in an interview uh, later on in the week, that he just was not able to get the calls down there early in uh, in the game. So while they were running no huddle, the starters kind of had a little bit of a disadvantage because he's up in the booth uh, doing his thing. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, other than that, it's it's preseason. It's week two. The starters didn't look all that great. Uh, I do want to point out that the first Joe Flacco interception was kind of a weird freak play. It was deep down the field. He had the guy. Uh, he had He had him open enough to where I would have thrown it as well. <laughs> uh, and just weird batted ball that kind of ended up going back at a weird angle. So I don't really count that. The second one I do count, it was well over the wide receiver. Uh, and by all accounts, Joe Flacco was just kind of off his game. Bryn Renner, though, did look good. 15-21 for 158 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, no mm-hmm. touchdowns in there on that one uh, from what I'm seeing. But, you he know, threw, no, he threw two touchdowns this, that, that game. He okay. threw one to uh, Butler. And one to uh, can't uh, Brown, Dan Brown, yes, and Waller. Mm-hmm. Darren Waller. Darren so, Waller. That's who it was. Excuse me, not Butler. It was Darren Waller. Yeah, uh, Waller is a seven-yard touchdown pass uh, yep. with a good Justin Tucker kick, and then Daniel Brown, twenty-eight-yard pass from Bryn Renner, another good Justin Tucker kick, and Tucker was on point uh, as he usually is, kicking a twenty-two-yard field goal. His only of the night Shocker. to give us a 17 yard or 17 point uh, game out of the Ravens. The Eagles came out strong, 14 points in the first quarter, 10 points in the second quarter, putting up six in the third, and then finishing off with 10 in the fourth quarter, just to kind of round it off to an even 40. I, you know, look, I'm I'm not that worried about it. I know a lot of fans are, but it's preseason. Once the games really start to matter, then that that's the type of performance where. You know, you look at it and you really start questioning why, but uh, uh, don't. Absolutely. The key term that I've been actually reading is that Dean Pease was worried about uh, Denver more than he is worried about the Eagles preseason game, and because the Denver game is actually going to count and matter. So with that, he decided, you know what's best? Uh, not worrying about this. We're not going to face a team like the Eagles this season. Why not, instead of game planning for this team, uh, detract ourselves from that and mainly focus on week one, which is coming up very soon. We need to take care of business. We need to come off to the right start. They didn't do that in 2013 after uh, after coming back to Denver, fresh off that Super Bowl win, and got spanked by Peyton Manning, unfortunately, through seven touchdown passes on the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and he doesn't, I, I would assume he doesn't want that to happen again. And focusing more on the fact that you got a game plan against a team that's going to be in the playoffs barring some serious injuries. I do want to also point out that there were several Ravens that did not play. Um, Rashad Perryman is, is the biggest name out there. Yep. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about him a little later on in the, uh, in the podcast here, but he's out still with his knee uh, injury, PCL sprain. Michael Campanero, uh, yet again, out. Ladarius Webb uh, is also out for that game. Matt Elam, Terrence Brooks, not all that ex- uh, not, no one that we didn't expect there. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Ravens were, were also missing Kalechi Assembly, Ricky Wagner, 
uh, John Ur- or yeah, John Urschel. I had no idea about those guys. Yeah, it, it, it was terrible on the offensive line. Uh, they did not have the full offensive line that you'd want out there. Ja Reed was also missing, uh, as was Catherine Lewis-Moore, Brent Urban, and Chris Canny. So you, you didn't have the full team out there by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, just those guys we mentioned, you're talking about five, six, seven starters. Uh, and I don't mean starters in, like, they're kind of you know, playing the nickel corner spot. We're talking about starting, number ones out there. Absolutely. Uh, that, that we're missing. So don't read too much into it. Do not worry about it uh, by the end of the game. It, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. All right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the sum of things right there. Now, another one to skip on ahead to is the Ajar Door. I, would, I say Ajar because it is slightly open now for Terrence McGee, Fitzgerald Toussaint, and also Javorius Allen after Lorenzo Taliferro went down with an MCL sprain injury. Matt, I, I love what I've seen out of Lorenzo Taliferro right now. He's looking tough. His nickname is Iron Retribution to those that do not know, and he is, he is made of iron, and he's a tough SOB. He's big, strong, powerful. And I, I'd love to see him in the starting role by next season if uh, Justin Forsett doesn't continually produce at 5.5 yards per carry, which is astronomically high. But I really, I really love what I've seen from Lorenzo Taliferro right now. But what do you think of those three running backs I did name, Terrence McGee, Fitzgerald Toussaint, and Javoris Allen? And do you think they have a shot at catching up to Lorenzo? You know, I, I posted something about this earlier on today in our Baltimore Beatdown roster preview. Uh, the the two main guys there are going to be Terrence McGee and Javorius Allen. And Javorius Allen especially because he was a fourth-round pick this year. Mm-hmm. Terrence McGee because every time I've looked at him, it's five, six, seven-yard gains. Uh, he has not done as well during the actual game times, but that's a little bit different. Uh, but he's been practicing incredibly well, and he looked pretty good out there. Uh, even on uh, Saturday. So as of right now, you know, I I think the odd man out is Fitzgerald Toussaint. I think the Ravens are going to maybe carry four running backs into the season. Uh, That would be Justin Forsett, obviously, clearly to uh, Lorenzo Taliaferro. And then at that point, it's it's a toss-up between uh, Terrence McGee and Fitzgerald Toussaint on who's going to get that fourth spot, because Javorius Mm -hmm. Allen definitely got it. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think Terrence McGee goes all the way on that one. I think he's the one that goes ahead and gets the, the nod. Um, I, I wouldn't even be all that surprised if we maybe see some of Javorius Allen and Terrence McGee during the actual season. Uh, see what, exactly what you've got out there, especially as you get into the more garbage time against some of the bad teams mm-hmm. uh, that the Rams will face this season. You know, see, see who would, what you got out there for those uh, third and fourth string running backs. I hope we face some uh, difficulty, uh, easier teams this season. I know our schedule is crazy. We played the Chargers, Chiefs, uh, we played the Broncos, Week 1, Steelers twice, Bengals twice, Browns twice, uh, Seahawks. Uh, hopefully the 49ers are as bad as they look on paper, but we can definitely not know right now. Colin Kaepernick can definitely make some magic. But as yeah. for right now, I actually am going to slightly disagree from you. Terrence McGee looks good. Uh, I'm going to argue just for the sake of arguing, but... Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald Toussaint and his uh, 
I, I always, whenever I see him playing, I always see him with the gloves. I know he's not just the only player that wears gloves when he's running back. Pretty much all of them do at this point. But he had those shiny white gloves week one. And he had a couple bad looks. Unfortunately, the linemen just weren't uh, in sync with his running type and speed. They are a zone blocking. And he definitely looked uh, a little lost out there at first in week one preseason. But as the game started to progress you started to look better in uh, week one at least I didn't get to see a lot of week two unfortunately I had a prior engagement that's actually why Matt and I did not have uh, have the rabble cast up for the live show unfortunately but definitely I uh, I think that Fitzgerald Toussaint could maybe take it from Terrence McGee and actually be that fourth running back on the roster we'll definitely have to see in the coming games but as for right now I do see Fitzgerald Toussaint being slightly ahead in my personal opinion. I believe the Ravens' uh, first cut down is September 1st, so really the last chance to go ahead and make any type of uh, case for not being cut, it's got to come up this week, Saturday, against the uh, Redskins. So I'm sure we will see tons of Terrence McGee, Fitzgerald Toussaint, and Javorius Allen out there on the field. Absolutely. Now, moving ahead, I'm going to skip on to... We actually had a, our Baltimore beatdown own, Zach Oaks, writing for us. And he spoke on a, on a questionable subject for some, whether or not it's time to shorten the preseason. I have a quote here saying, The last week has been rough for several teams. The Panthers, Packers, and Steelers all lost valuable players to major injuries. Kelvin Benjamin, star wide receiver for the Panthers, tore his ACL. Jordy Nelson also tore his ACL, and Marquise Pouncey, the all-pro for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has to suffer a devastating ankle injury that will require surgery. With that being said, I do I love Jordy Nelson. I love watching that man play. His chemistry with Aaron Rodgers is that of Matt and his wife Aaron. Uh, it's it's uh it's definitely a sight to behold. His back shoulder catches right on the tiptoe sideline. I've seen it a million times. There's damn near no way to stop that play. It's pretty much just a Madden cheat code in real life. Uh, something that I, but seeing all these injuries happen, Matt, you got to think: is there a way to shorten the preseason to the point where we can't see these injuries anymore? What what are your thoughts, man? I, I'm all for shortening the preseason. I think that's the smart thing to do. We want to see real football. Mm-hmm. Uh, preseason games, while they're nice, don't get me wrong, it, it's a nice introduction to football uh, from a long off season, but it's not real football. Mm-hmm. And realistically, the starters don't play that fourth game anyway, so it's kind of pointless mm-hmm. uh, in reality because, I, I, again, I believe the third cutdown is Thursday, uh, which is uh, the third. Mm-hmm. So... You're looking at they play the same day. They have to go ahead and make the final few cuts. Uh, eh, I, I feel like we could go ahead and shorten the game uh, by a game or two. Maybe go ahead and put a game extra into the regular season, make it a little bit more interesting, uh, and help settle out some of the close disputes that you know even the AFC North has, where teams are ten and five or ten and six, eleven and five, that type of thing. Uh, maybe separate them a little bit more, but. This talk of shortening the preseason because you're going to be able to get rid of ACL injuries or, or any type of injury, that's just not going to happen. It's still going to happen. It, it, there's no way around it. Injuries happen. Uh, you know, we, we've seen guys like Sergio Kendall not even on the field 
fall down a flight of steps and injure themselves. We've seen a guy just this offseason alone blow off fingers, not on the field. Uh, injuries are going to happen regardless of if they play or not. And, you know, it, it's a moneymaker for the NFL having preseason games. So they're certainly not going to go without those games. Ultimately, you're looking at 20 games that uh, every team plays. Team owners are not going to go out that, that extra money, and the NFL itself is going not going to go ahead and lose that uh, extra advertising money that they're earning. So it's never going to happen. It's a nice thought, but it, it's just it's not going to happen. Now what I'm thinking mainly is I've heard from Thomas Davis had a quote, and he was talking about it's not that the preseason games are bad. It's that people aren't in football shape when they show up to training camp. So they're trying to go from their basic level athleticism to NFL-ready game-time uh, athleticism within a short period of time. You know, the training camp's, what, two weeks before the first game. Guys show up after the offseason. They're lazy. They're tired. You know, they've dealt with injuries or they're just exhausted. And I understand that they want to take that break, but training camp is showing up too early. Or excuse me, too late. Training camp showing up too late, and it's causing players to not be NFL ready. Their ligaments aren't ready. Their muscles aren't ready. Their tendons aren't ready. And that's what's causing injuries. If training camp started earlier, if practices started earlier, players would be much more ready for the season, and their bodies would also be ready. And I think that's what's key in changing. Now, does that mean that we should shorten the preseason? Yes, I still think three games for the preseason would be much better because the only week that you're ever healthy, I don't care what anybody says, I've played football, I understand it, is week one. The only time you're 100% is week one. I guarantee you that for the linemen. I know for a fact Rick Wagner is going to be 100% for week one. After week one, his body's going to already be sore. He's crashing into other 300-pound men at least, what, 54 times to 70 times depending upon how many offensive snaps the Ravens have. And we want to be on offense more, so obviously we want to have more snaps on that offense, which means more times he has to smash and crash and fight off 300-pound defensemen trying to ensure that a guy can throw a football or get a handoff. That's, that's just what I'm seeing, man. i, I got to disagree with you on that one, Kyle. I mean, we see injuries throughout the entire season, regardless of how well-trained or, or how good players are you, right. you typically see preseason start off with you know just pads that's why they have OTAs beforehand get those guys into that shape a little bit before they put on the pads before the hitting start happening you go ahead and do that and then we even saw it with uh, the Ravens and John Harbaugh they had a few pre or uh, excuse me a few training camp days where they were in pads but there was no hitting at all mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't until that first weekend that Saturday that they uh, they started actually hitting each other for the first time. So I, I understand what you're saying uh, in terms of guys are, are they're going to get dinged up. The more that they play, obviously, the more snaps that they see, mm -hmm. they're going to get more and more dinged up. Uh, and you're completely right. They are probably the healthiest they're going to be week one. However, it, it's, it's bound to happen regardless. Uh, those freak injuries, Jordy Nelson, I mean, looking at him, it, it was – he caught the ball and just kind of fell over. Yep. Uh, that, that was the end of that one. And we've seen it before with uh, you know a ton of other players. It, it's not necessarily even the contact that's doing it. It's 
just freak injuries. Uh, and, and it's a shame that it happens, especially you know to a guy like Kelvin Benjamin or, or uh, Jordy Nelson or even Marquise Pouncey, who, who plays for the Steelers. But it happens. Um, Lorenzo Taliaferro sprained his MCL. It, it, it's, it happens to every team, and it's kind of the way that the football... I, I, when I played football, it's what we called the football gods. Either they bet you sometimes, or they left you alone. Right, but it shouldn't be down to that. I really feel we need to start training camp earlier. Get these guys actually in shape. I'm sick of... How many years in a row did you have to go, Oh, great, Bryant McKinney showed up overweight to, pre- to training camp for the Ravens. Every year. If we started it earlier, maybe by the time we actually get the season going, he's finally under shape. We shouldn't have to pay guys incentives based on their weight. That's what Bryant McKinney was. It was like, hey, if you keep your weight under this, you get $600,000, and he'd somehow fuck it up every year. And it drove me nuts. And I feel if we finally start training camp earlier, sooner, we can get these guys actually to a playing weight, a playing style, their body's ready. I understand those freak injuries happen. Jordy Nelson was a non-contact injury. He just fell weird, and it landed on his own leg weird. But reducing those and having those muscles in that ready state nonetheless, is what I feel. You know, if I'm not running for four months and then I'm trying to, and I slowly do practice for two weeks, and then I'm playing a game-like scenario in a preseason game, my ligaments aren't ready. There's no way my ligaments, my muscles, my skills are ready and, and heightened to that professional NFL level within three weeks. There's a reason why. It's because you need to be NFL ready. You need to have training camp show up just like high school, man. You've got to show up to practice. You've got to show up to those optional training assessments. You know, it, OTAs, it, they aren't optional. They're, if you show up, you need to show up. That's, that's the problem there. I feel like that's uh, but, important. Go ahead. And I'm going to disagree with you on this one just simply because if you go ahead and, and make the preseason happen sooner, then you're – limiting the amount of time for those playoff teams to recoup from those injuries. I mean, there's still guys like Jimmy Smith was still during OTAs and even the start of training camp was not supposed to be contacted. He's not supposed to be out there mm-hmm. doing those sorts of things. Okay. If you make the preseason happen any sooner, you have less time to go ahead and do that. Now, here's the difference between a Super Bowl winning team and the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Browns. A team like the Ravens, those guys never really actually get off, per se. They go home, they maybe have a week or two vacation, but they're back in the weight room, they're still training, they're still rehabbing those injuries, they're still doing the things that they need to do to be in football shape. Now, guys like Bryant McKinney, I kind of take him as the exception almost, because he's a guy with just freak ability, Mm -hmm. a freak size, who just doesn't have the work ethic behind him. And there's a reason why he's not on the Ravens anymore. And it's a reason why I believe he's out of football completely at this point. Uh, It's because he doesn't have that work ethic behind him, regardless of how freak of an athlete you are. If you do not go ahead and put in that work, if you do come into training camp not completely ready, cough, cough, Ladarius, you tend to find yourself off the team. I disagree on your point that the difference between the Ravens and the Browns slash Jaguars is uh, players not having time off. Um, Wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I cannot remember his name, actually put Rutz into his uh, high school uh, turf when he was out there playing on it from doing so many route 
and agility trainings. It's not that those players have it off. It's that their general managers don't, don't know how to draft. That's the difference between the Jaguars and the Ravens. It's not, because, not it's not their players. It's because of their drafting schemes, and that's the big difference. You said earlier. I'm not sole point. I am saying, though, it is the difference between a successful team and a non-successful team. And successful teams tend to make their guys get out there a little bit earlier. They tend to have those guys that get out there a little bit earlier and do those things. And if you do those things, you're just going to be more successful. I mean, that's just what it is. The fact that the, the Jacksonville Jaguars had a guy or have a guy that, that decided to go ahead and do that, I'm sure he's having a successful career outside of not having a quarterback or a running game or any other part of that team. But at the same time, you're looking at a team like the Ravens. I mean, Daryl Smith came into OTAs. He didn't have to. He's a veteran. Right. That's the last guy should be at OTAs, but he was there. See, those are guys that should be showing up no matter what. Suggs should be there. Um, let's see. Uh, Forsett should be there. Jimmy Smith should be there, barring injury, obviously. But everybody should be at optional training assessments. You want to know why? Because you should be putting in that work. You should be playing for what you want. What's your ultimate goal? To be good? No. Every player should go onto the field and say they're great. That's what uh, I take that from Derek Rose from the NBA, actually, uh, Chicago Bulls player. And he said... Why can't I be the MVP of the league? Why not? Why can't I be the greatest of all time? Why not? Like, why am I here if I'm not trying to be the best? And the reason is because, you know, why aren't you? Why isn't Will Hill showing up? You know, or why isn't, why is Daryl Smith showing up? To be the best, you shouldn't just show up to be a great player. That's not what every player has, you know. Some players just want to be great, and that's a problem, I think. You know, everybody should try and fight to be the greatest ever, to be the best at their position. No player, I don't think, has ever been like, you know what, sounds good. Uh, catching two balls, getting about 11 to 15 yards, just being successful. You know who does that? Entry-level players. Entry-level players want to be okay at their job. Like uh, Javorius Allen wrote on his rookie uh, photo, he said, I want to be a starter, and I'm okay with that. Uh, on the other end, Max Williams said, I want to win the Super Bowl. I want to win the Super yeah. Bowl. Why not? You know, why can't we win the Super Bowl? I'm good enough. Why can't I be good enough? And that's that's what I feel is the difference between those. And I feel we've detracted from our original argument on preseason to uh, <laughs> to players and their goals and why they should or should not be just the greatest of all time. But I, I, I definitely see both of our sides. I understand where you're coming from, and that was, and that was a good that's definitely a good opinion on, on both those. We do need to move on, though. Real quick, I am going to give the stats on our poll voting on uh, Baltimore Beatdown. 56% of people actually said they need uh, they would prefer the reformat to two games, uh, uh, two, two games of preseason. 33% of people said, why not, let's just keep the four-game format. And 9% of people said, let's just be done with preseason. Now, if I were to vote on this, I would uh I would actually I want to be a three game kind of preseason fourth game they don't even play I know if we only had three games they wouldn't even play on the second one excuse me the third game but nonetheless that's that's my opinion on the subject um, Matt real quick it, would you keep all four games of the preseason what, what would you have voted excuse me on this uh, on this vote I'm I'm with you in the idea that I would like three preseason games and an eighteen or excuse me a seventeen uh, game schedule. Okay. for the regular season. So uh, this option here doesn't necessarily count that, so I, oh. I would have had to vote it, keep the four-game format, yep. simply because 
is not enough. Yeah, I would have I would have kept the four on this voting analysis because I'm I'm on for three. I don't want two. Two's too little, and four's too much in my opinion. I'd say we need four games. We need two bye weeks. Uh, but we'll actually we we could do this on a different day where we discuss how we feel about the season and injuries and such. We do definitely need to move on, and we're moving on with Rally Bus. In fact. Rally Bus does offer those luxury buses to and from Baltimore Ravens games. They offer them to Pittsburgh Steelers games. They offer them to Colorado Avalanche games, for God's sakes. You can definitely take those Rally Bus offers. You can also get $10 off of your booking if you use the promo code RavensRally10, R-A-V-E-N-S-R-A-L-L-Y-1-0. You can drink on the bus. You can drink before getting on the bus. You can drink at the game. And... Party afterwards on those buses as you get a ride back home. You can ride safe. You ride happy. You ride rally bus for a reason. I Matt knows personally. He's had a person lost from a drunk driving accident. My father personally actually uh, spent a year in uh, in federal prison because of uh, his mistakes being a drunk driver. Uh, thank God nobody was injured in his accident. He rolled over his own truck. That's a personal story that actually uh, I, I'm just sharing now. Uh, but, yeah, ride safe, ride happy, ride rally bus. Be a responsible individual. Have some fun. You don't. You can take a group of friends. All hop on that rally bus. Enjoy your time. Enjoy your stay. And then, and then get home. And you don't have to worry about a ride home. You don't have to worry about anything. And I know when I'm on a bus, I've, uh, I've actually been to Las Vegas. You know, I rode on my transit buses back and forth. I had a blast. Uh, being on the bus with a couple friends. If you brought a group of friends onto a bus like that, you wouldn't worry about traffic. It's more time that you get a party with all your friends, in my opinion. That, that's just my thoughts, though. Matt, what do that's you think? That's the best part. When you're out with a party and you got a designated driver, last thing you need to worry about is traffic, is lights, is tolls, any of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You get to sit there with your friends, enjoying each other, enjoying the conversation, enjoying the hoot and hollering that you get a chance to do. Uh, Rally Bus allows you to go ahead and do that, plus mm-hmm. they allow you to go ahead and drink on the bus. They got you covered. Rallybus.net, Ravens Rally 10. I've included it here in the chat, so that way you can go there and book your bus now. Yes, absolutely. Now, going on to training camp news, Rashawn Melvin is hungry for the starting job. He is hungry for that starting job. I'm all for him starting at this point. Rashawn Melvin has proven to me personally he is a starting number two cornerback. I definitely have Jimmy Smith as our number one role. Obviously, he's the shutdown corner as he is. Jimmy Smith's my boy. If anybody's staying on Baltimore Beatdown from our actual website, BaltimoreBeatdown.com, they know that I have a uh, I have a personal affection almost at this point for Jimmy Smith. I love watching that man play. His talents on the field are definitely worth being a top-five cornerback in the NFL. But Rashawn Melvin is somebody I definitely pay attention to. He's, he deserves a starting job at my point. Tell me I'm either right or wrong, Matt Stevens. Kyle, you're right, and it's less to do with Rashawn Melvin as much as it is to do with the uh, issues surrounding Lardarius Webb. Mm-hmm. Let's first and foremost look at Lardarius Webb missing, uh, excuse me, failing his conditioning test that mm-hmm. strike one uh even though it was kind of a freak thing in talking to dr bobby like we had done previously uh, it was a weird uh, you shouldn't read too much into it 
But when you add that to his injury history, when you add that to he is now sat out, like we had mentioned earlier, sat out Saturday's game. Uh, he has been out of training camp so far, all due to a hamstring injury that he had kind of tweaked previously. All those things tend to add up to a guy that, if and we've said it before, we'll say it again, if you do not see the field, you cannot contribute. And as yep. of right now, Ladarius Webb cannot contribute to this team. So I, I, I think just by what it is, Rashawn Melvin's getting the chances to go ahead and do it. Uh, they've been putting him in there, and he's looked damn good while he's been in there. So yes. at this point, if you're able to cover the Ravens wide receivers, I'd say you're good enough to cover anybody else. For the most part, I do agree. Obviously, um, Antonio Brown in our own, but in our own division, AJ Green in our division, Calvin Johnson, and other players are definitely a, an exception, obviously, to this rule. But Rashawn Melvin has proved time and time again that he needs to be a starter on the Baltimore Ravens squad. He's pushed himself, and I'm excited to see him. Obviously, the only the you know I. Obviously, the last thing we remember of him is getting burned in an AFC divisional game against Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks in the league or all time, against uh, shifty wide receivers that we had to play against, uh, short routes, Brady throwing it in less than two seconds from the snap. Three-step drops were actually slow at that point when they were playing against the Ravens' front seven. But I want Rashawn Melvin as the number two. He's huge. He's a big guy. Him and Jimmy Smith being big guys on the outside, shoving and, and tossing around smaller wide receivers or even just combating receivers that are just as big as them. Uh, and then throwing uh, Webb in the slot, Arrington in the slot. I want to see that more often. Um, at this point, I was, I was really worried to get for Rashawn Melvin to start because I had the thought process still in my head of, He's just a practice squad guy. We picked him up as like our 15th option after so many of our rece- our uh, defensive backs went down. And now I want him. I want him to be that starting number two role. I want him to continually battle it out and and fight to be the best. You know, I want him to say, yo, Jimmy, I'm coming for your job at this point. I don't want him saying, hey, Webb. I'm going to try and top you. I want him to be just as good as Jimmy Smith. Obviously, we want every player on our team to be a Pro Bowl guy. You want him to be an all-pro guy. Unfortunately, it's not possible, but let, why not? Let, let's see if we can do it, you know? And I, I think Rashawn Melvin deserves the number two role, especially with Webb not showing up lately. I, you know, I, I think when you look at it, Kyle, uh, you mentioned he's a big guy. He's six two, 196 pounds. He's better slotted for that outside position than a guy like Lardarius Webb or uh, Kyle Arrington is. Both of those guys are a little bit smaller. They're able to they're they're quicker. They're able to go ahead and handle those underneath routes, the short routes, a lot better than a guy like Rashawn Melvin is. He's just too big to be able to move his hips the way that they need him to. Right. Uh, that's why you see guys like Michael Campanero. They're small. They're shifty. They're quick. Uh, those are the guys that you typically run on those routes. Same thing goes for the corners. They're small, they're shifty, they're quick. Uh, Rashawn Melvin could match up well against big wide receivers, uh, and I think with some confidence behind him and a chance to really go at it uh, this this preseason, I think that he's done incredibly well, and I think he deserves that starting spot. Uh, it would not be surprising to see him if, if Lardarius Webb misses this week and maybe even misses uh, week four. Uh, it would not be surprising, regardless of health, to see Rashawn Melvin out there as a starter. 
I agree. I mean, there's nothing else left to say on this subject. They just they got it locked down, and I, I really, really hope to see Rashawn Melvin more and more used as regular season even arrives. Now, next, what do you think of Marlon Brown? Do you think he actually makes the final 53-man roster? Do you think he gets cut in five days? I believe, uh, yeah, five days is when it actually shows up. Uh, first roster cuts to, is it 73 players for the first? For, yeah, for 73, or 73 or 75 players, I believe. Nonetheless, do you see him making the first cut, second cut, or do you think he makes the 53-man roster at this point? I don't know. I, I, he's he's the one weird case that I'm not entirely sure what they do with. I'm really glad you uh, said that because I'm actually thinking the same. He's He's been out for some time now with a back injury, um, and, and they've been kind of confused on exactly what the hell is going on with him. Um, and they've been very, probably deliberately quiet about his injury so far. Uh, the Ravens have. So I, I don't know exactly what they do with him. I think if he's healthy, I think he makes the final 53-man. Uh, if he's not, I would not be surprised if he if he gets put on IR, whether or not he is uh, truly hurt for the entire season or could man up and, and play. Uh, I think maybe they go ahead and, and use the, the old IR trick to maybe yeah. squeeze an eye into the roster uh, and give him another season to maybe get himself completely healthy and try again next season. Um, that's kind of what I see happening with him. I see him making the roster simply as an IR a uh, candidate. I really like you. Um, I, I see him as that weird case because he's a, he's a different type of player in the sense that this man tied the record with Torrey Smith for most touchdowns in, in a rookie season, and he definitely has a high ceiling. He's huge. He's a big guy, and he's tough, and he actually fights for footballs. I think that's important in our team because we watched as Torrey Smith did not. He never grew into that role that he's going to jump up on a one-on-one situation. He's going to out-muscle a defensive back. He's going to yeah. grab and snag that ball. I have no idea how he didn't learn sitting behind Anquan Bolden for two to five. What? How many years was – I can't remember off the top of my head, but Anquan Bolden was with us long enough to where he should have been able to see it practice after practice after practice after game after game after game after playoff game after playoff game. You gotta go up. You gotta grab that ball. You gotta be better than just a burner. You gotta be better than just a one-trick pony. And Torrey Smith was a very good and versatile player. He did have decent route running ability. He had good hands. He was able to not only get the deep touchdown passes. He got us penalties in his style and and advanced the ball. He was a great player. I mean, I, I saw in that playoff game against the against the Denver Broncos. He went up and snagged two touchdowns over Champ Bailey. One of them was just straight up burning Bailey, in fact. But the second one was he just jumped over and said, yo, this is my ball, I'm taking it, and I'm taking it to the house, excuse you, Champ Bailey. But Torrey Smith never developed into that, and and Marlon Brown does do that, and it's important in this day and age that we see receivers being tough. And I don't know. I really I like watching Marlon Brown. I do. But do I like him more than Waller or or Kamar Aiken? I don't know. Because those are our two biggest receivers besides Marlon Brown. And I, I think that's a big thing. I think it's yeah. Kamar Aiken. If Kamar Aiken pans out, I don't think Marlon Brown makes this roster. Uh, whether it be this year or next year, 
they are the same player, essentially. They're big-bodied guys. They're the red zone targets. They're, they're Anquan Bolton lights. Yep. You don't need two of those. You need one. And maybe they go ahead and try to dangle Marlon Brown out there for some trade bait. He, like you said, he did put up a, a he tied the Ravens record uh, for rookie touchdown uh, catches. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go ahead and put him up there and say, look, you might get that Marlon Brown. You're not going to expect a third rounder out of the guy, but maybe you go ahead and get fourth, fifth, or a fifth out of him from a quarter, or from excuse me, from a wide receiver hungry team. Uh, maybe the Browns go ahead and get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that you would look at. In, uh, I'd be interested in doing if I'm Ozzie Newsome is see if, if and by all accounts, Kamar Aiken has done exactly this. He's shown up. Maybe Marlon Brown doesn't make the roster simply because he's traded. Now, I got a question for you because I'm having a tough time with this lately. Has Kamar Aiken showed up for you, though? Have, have you seen Kamar Aiken panning out right now? I, you know, I do. Uh, really? He has incredibly well in training camp to the point where we've mentioned it before on the podcast. I've written it about it in our observations. Mm-hmm. Kamar Aiken is routinely making catch-of-the-day type catches. He's burning guys like... Uh, uh, Jimmy Smith. He is doing everything that he needs to do to not only make this roster, but to be a, a serious target for Joe Flacco. And coming into training camp, the Ravens were not shy about saying they're very happy with how he's progressing. Uh, they they model him a lot after Anquan Bolden. And what I've seen so far in training camp is exactly that. He's, again, a big body wide receiver who's able to outmuscle the cornerback, uh, outmuscle the defensive back, whoever's on him, mm-hmm. for that ball. But he still has enough speed to get behind some of the slower, maybe some of the older cornerbacks, uh, or even through press coverage. I like that about him. Okay. He just wants to get completely healthy and be ready for week one, and I think Kamar Aiken is that guy that suddenly lights it up for the scoreboard. I hope so, and I'm praying that you're right. Don't get me wrong, I'm praying you're right. But I haven't seen – I haven't gone to pra- practice squad. Obviously, if for folks that don't know, I'm actually in Colorado right now uh, living there. Matt's the one that shows up to the uh, training camp to practices and stuff like that and asks the questions. But I haven't seen anything out of him on, on preseason so far. I like Kamar Aiken. I remember him scoring that sickening touchdown against the Tampa Bay Bucks, I believe is who it was when Joe Flacco decided to uh, set the record on five passing touchdowns in the quickest amount of time. Uh, but I haven't seen Kamar Aiken on our preseason game so far do anything that I'm like, wow, that looked really good. Campanero did it week one against the Saints, 45 yards, scampered into the touchdown zone. You know, it was great. I loved watching that. But I haven't seen Kamar Aiken arrive, and I haven't seen that big-body receiver make those catch-of-the-days. And I want to see that. Trust me, I'm begging to see a big-bodied receiver for the Ravens out-muscle players. I want to see a Des Bryant for the Ravens. I want to see a Julio Jones. I want to see any huge guy, Calvin Johnson. I'd love to see that, obviously, but not all of us get a Calvin Johnson. But I just want to see a big-bodied receiver that's able to hit almost every single route tree and be able to, in fact, do the routes and, and land the catches that the Baltimore Ravens need to progress across the field on the offensive side. That's I, I haven't seen it yet, and that's why I think Marlon Brown stays. Unless Darren Waller is already better than Marlon Brown, I think uh, now now that's my this is my decision now I just made it that Marlon Brown will stay on the roster. 
That's me. I, I do want to say that uh, in the first preseason game, uh, Kamar Aiken was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was available. Uh, but, yeah, we didn't really see a lot out of him. Yeah, I didn't. Um, which, you know, is fair because keep in mind, he probably only played one series. Same thing with, uh, you know, Joe Flacco. Oh, absolutely. We were absolutely. Out there once. So, you know, he's going to be up there. I believe he is listed as like third on the depth chart behind, uh, or no, excuse me. I think he's listed as second on the depth he's chart. He's second behind Steve, I believe. Yeah, right. behind Steve Smith. So he, that, that right there should show what they think about Kamar Aiken. Uh, and then last week, I believe he was out. Uh, for the second preseason game, I, you know, I, I I don't entirely know what to say about Marlon Brown. I hope he gets it together. I hope he's able to do it. But at this point, I, I he had a bad sophomore season, and he's having a bad training camp so far. Yep. And I, I don't know, man. I I want I loved watching Marlon Brown. I'm so hyped for him, and I always had that hype for him, but. I, I want to see more. I want to see more so bad, and I want him to prove. You know, I I put his ceiling, his absolute ceiling, at AJ Green. I remember talking about that online with other folks when comments were about him. I said my absolute ceiling for Marlon Brown is AJ Green, but I haven't seen anything near an AJ Green right now because AJ is a touchdown machine for Andy Dalton, in my personal opinion. And people know that I'm not an AJ fan, not at all because he's an overfed player from Andy Dalton. But I need to move on. We need to move on. And the next one on our show, and by the way, we did not practice for this show at all, folks. We went straight into this um, and it went to, uh, do you want, what, what are you thinking, C or D? I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to ask Matt right now. C or D, what are you thinking? I said we stick with the wide receivers and we talk a little bit about Brashad Perryman and the hype train. Choo-choo. Okay. Why suppressing the hype for him is better than... I'm going to start this one off, Kyle, because yes, please do. I am bothered by the fact that he has missed this much time. Uh, He's a guy who was raw to begin with. He comes to a Ravens team that doesn't desperately need the speed, but they need the speed. They need a guy who can run that, that, that those types of go routes and, and be the Torrey Smith light uh, in his first season. Not being on the field hurts him more than it could possibly ever hurt any other player on this team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and as of right now, a lot of people are are worried about Brashad Perryman. They are on that hype train. uh, And I don't think it's the good thing to do. Uh, I've I've even heard some talk about people selecting him with their fantasy team. Do not do that. Um, (laughs) Don't. He's not going to put up a thousand yard. If he puts up a thousand yard season, I would be beyond shocked. Uh, that would show a complete. I'm going to fly to Matt and I'll punch him if that happens. Absolutely. If if he puts up a thousand yards, we will videotape Kyle flying over here and punching me as hard as he possibly can in the face. We will put that up. We'll all be able to watch it. And and yeah, if that's going to happen, then you guys all need to Patreon the hell out of this. Um, <laughs> flights are expensive. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I just, people are getting overhyped about him. They're expecting way too much out of him. Same thing with Max Williams, for that matter, uh, but that's a completely different conversation. You've got to stay on the light side of this. Look at the other wide receivers who have been around here longer. Prashad will get his chances. 
uh, this season, but so far he's been hurt and he's behind the eight ball. Yep. I I want to cool this just as much as anybody else. We need to slow down the Brashad Berryman hype. Trust me, I was on this. I was I was the engineer on this train, going, "Yo, this guy, <laughs> this guy is going to be Tory Smith 2.0." You know, I was like, "He's got hands. Yes, he has some bad concentration drops. Don't worry about that. He'll get it fixed out. It's not that hard of a fix." Uh, he can. He's faster than anybody else in, in the draft. He's faster than Tory. He's bigger than Tory. He's stronger than Tory. He can actually fight for one-on-one balls. I've seen it in his UCF days. I'm ready for him now. I'm like Kyle. You need to. You need to shut your mouth right now. Because <laughs> what if it is another Raven receiver that is drafted that doesn't pan out? One thing I've always noticed is uh, is Ozzie Newsom and Bill Belichick used to both be uh, coinciding with the Browns organization. And they both have very uh, very much the same draft style. Best player available. They both find great players on the defensive side of the ball. They both find really good players deep in the draft as well as at the start. Ozzie Newsom is a better, obviously, GM than Bill Belichick, in my opinion. It's very close, though. It's tough. But... What I need to see is is for a receiver to pan out because the Patriots don't have it. The Patriots never have a receiver that they've drafted pan out. The Ravens, very far and frequently between, haven't had a Baltimore receiver that pans out that's been drafted. I want yeah. to finally see it happen. I'm begging for Prashad Perryman, but I need to cool myself, just as you said. We need to stop this hype train. Because it's not happening. It's not happening right now. He's been out two games. He's going to be out three and probably four as well. Because if he's labeled a starter, which he hasn't yet been, um, but we need to we need to slow the locomotive, please. We need to finally hit that break because it needs to be done. Suppress the hype trade. Twenty fifteen. Suppress gate. That's what we could do it as. Maybe we'll get some national attention. But yes. Yeah. Right. That, that's all I have on that subject. I feel it's okay to move on. Matt, what do you think? Do you got anything uh, to add? Absolutely. Yeah, let's let's move past Rashad Perryman and talk about something else. All right, let's have some fun with uh, with what Daniel has wrote for us. It is the debate game. We call it the TD, the debate. Daniel thought of this game because he loves listening to us destroy each other in the booth. He wrote all of this, by the way. Anyways, back to the game. Every argument will have something to do with touchdowns. Hence the acronym TD. We both have one minute each to vent over the following writing prompt. Matt, do you have a timer by chance? You know, Kyle, I can go ahead and make a timer. Okay, I have a timer on my phone. I have a stopwatch on my phone. I have an iPhone, obviously. iPhone, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, be our sponsorship, I will say iPhone like more times than I already have said iPhone. But, iPhone. iPhone. Yes. Eat fresh. Right. <laughs> I've I've got it, and it's going to go ahead and play a nice little buzzer here through our speakers so you guys can hear it, too, uh, if you're tuning in. Okay, uh, let's hear that real quick for the uh, viewers, if you got it. Or will it take a minute to play that? I can go ahead and make it go one second. Waiting. Oh, that's obnoxious. Yeah, so 
That should do it. All right. We're going to do one minute. All right. We haven't done this one with the uh, one minute yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask Matt a question for the first one. He's going to answer. I'll respond and then we'll delegate for like one, one last minute. And then he'll ask me the question. I'll get a minute. He gets a minute and then we delegate for a minute. All right. That sound good, Matt. All right, Kyle. All right. The Ravens are shafted by teams and bad play calling, and somehow they start the season 0-4. Should our offense reconsider going for the two-point conversions after touchdown, or is it too early to get that desperate? Is going for two points out of line? Three, two, one, go. I first and foremost need to cut out that out-of-line thing. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely not out of line. There's a reason why the NFL changed its rules to have the two-point conversion be easier than the field goal, uh, or at least closer than the field goal. Uh, I, I think going for two makes complete sense. I, I will say that I don't think it's desperation. I think you play game-by-game basis. Uh, if you're down by enough points, then yeah, two-point conversions all game long makes complete sense. If you're not down, uh, going for the two-point conversion is kind of a douchey thing to do. Uh, and I, I just don't think it's necessary. So with 19 okay. seconds left, I'm going to say going for two, it, unless the game type calls for it, do not go for two. You just go ahead and continue to play uh, and, and hope to get over that 0-4 start. All right, uh, you got five seconds left. Anything else left to add? Two, one, zero. Two points. Oh, there it is. Nice. All right. Now, you got the timer ready for me? Tell me when to go. Am I asking you the same question now, Kyle? Yes, you're asking me the same exact question. I'm going to argue it out real quick. Two, one, go. Matt, it sounded like you said you were uh, you were for going for two. I'm actually against going for two for a different reason. Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the NFL and in NFL history currently right now in the league. His numbers, his percentages are higher than anybody else. Why would you bar going for for one point when it's a guaranteed gimme from 32 yards out by Justin Tucker, Sam Cook, and the best snap, the long snapper in the league, Morgan Cox, when he's finally healthy after his ACL tear. Why would you go for two when it's not guaranteed? Our run game is based on five and six yard gains when we're in the middle of the field with Justin Forsett or Lorenzo Talifero, who hasn't yet combined and become tough enough to do those goal line bull rushes that can smack through lines. Marshall Yonda is good as he is, is not a guaranteed kick. Justin Tucker and his leg are golden. They're tougher. He's better. And why, why, why go for two points when you can get a guaranteed one? You don't need the two points. All right, Kyle. That was a good one. That was great. That was great. And I was trying to talk supremely fast for this. <laughs> Folks, uh, please feel free to comment your opinions on this as well. I'd love to see other people and their delegation process uh, please let us know. Add that comment down there at rabble.tv. Uh, let us know. Obviously, it, it's nice to have comment and feedback. We want you to be a part of our show as well. It's not just Matt and I talking and you listening. We want Matt and I talking and talking with you guys as well, discussing, making this conversation much more important than the average listener. Okay? But moving on, Matt, do you want you, you want to go one more minute in the delegation process, or do you need, are, are you good? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, I got one minute on my phone. Uh, I'm going to have you start, and then I'm going to answer after 30 seconds, okay? All right. All right. Three, two, one, and go. 
I was not initially for the two-point conversions, but I am now, simply because the Ravens have one of the best offensive lines. Now, let me let me revise that. They have the best offensive line, mm-hmm. and they have one of the better running backs in Justin Forsett. This is the same Justin Forsett that averaged 5.4 yards per carry. If you cannot get one or two yards off of a two-point conversion, I think you should forfeit that game immediately, especially and with that all time. Now, for me, I do have it, in fact, as why do you take that two-point conversion when it's not guaranteed? Justin Forsett isn't a guarantee. As good as Marshall Yonda and Rick Wagner are, and in my personal opinion, we aren't the best offensive line in the league. Why not just take Justin Tucker? His stats are better than anybody to ever kick in the National Football League in the history of football. Why dare you go for the two-point conversion just because you're 0-4? You don't need to change your special teams. You need to change your play calling. <laughs> that was a good one, Kyle. Money! Money, baby. Money. All right. Please fill that comments and concerns with with comments, okay? I know that was yeah. a repetitive statement. Comment in the comments uh, thing. Yes. Let us know. Com- Let us hear what you think, please. Uh, yeah, definitely. Go ahead, and you can actually start asking your questions now because we're almost wrapped up with our uh, podcast today. So start throwing your questions up in there. Let's see exactly what you got. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to preseason week three, Kyle. Absolutely. What do you we – got, we got the backyard brawl between the Redskins. Close teams in uh, geography. We got the Washington, D.C. Redskins. We got the Baltimore Ravens. They're in the same state, in fact. Uh, we got to stop RG3. You got to beat up Kirk Cousins and Colt McCoy. Our secondary – needs to stop them, obviously, but more importantly, I already see that they won't be running any read option with RG3 and uh, and Alfred Morris against Terrell Suggs because of their worrisome antics uh, surrounding his low and late tackle with Sam Bradford, which was looked at by Mike Pereira and actually decided that it was not low, it was not late. And the NFL came forward and said it was not low, it was not late, it should not have been flagged. Matt, what are your opinions? What's your first opinion? Well, my first opinion for that is the NFL got it right. Uh, If you replay that, you can see that Sam Bradford hands the ball off but continues to go ahead and look like he's going to make a move to the outside. Suggs simply did exactly what he needed to do, which is make the tackle. Now, the reason why it's being looked at as low, and I'm using finger quotes there, is because Sam Bradford moved. When you move, you can't move in the middle of the air. Suggs was already in the middle of diving at him. So where he was going to hit was going to hit upper thigh and into the uh, into the hip, which is exactly what you're taught to hit. Any higher than that, and it's now considered a shot. Any lower than that, and it's now considered a shot. So you hit him right there at the hip, the upper thigh, and you wrap up and you take him down. It looked bad, but that's all because Sam Bradford moved. He made a football move, which is specifically why it is not a bad call, or it was a bad call, and the Suggs should not have been penalized because he was actually going to go ahead and make a football move. Yep. I saw I saw Suggs going for the tackle and Sam Bradford spinning from his right to well, excuse me, he was spinning clockwise to get out of the tackle. 
And when he did that, Suggs was just reaching out. He was trying to snag anything he can as a tackling defensive player. And what he did, what did he wrap up? His leg, his legs, excuse me. And that's the problem. People are like, oh, he's going for his knees. That's exactly what's going on. He knows Sam Bradford's had ACL tears. He's not gonna. He's trying to injure him. That's not what Suggs is about. Suggs is labeled as a dirty hitter in person's minds. He is a crazed guy. His character. He he loves football to a passion, and he wants to be an all-time great. Obviously, he is very talented. He wants to be able to make the plays, make the stops. And what was his job in the Super Bowl? Uh, in the Super Bowl against the 49ers, they had one plan against that read option that Colin Kaepernick blazed by the Green Bay Packers for. You know what it was? It was hey, I don't care what happens. Every single time you hit Andy Dalton. Uh, excuse me, not Andy Dalton. Excuse me, Colin Kaepernick. That was that was way off, but. That's what his job was. I was thinking of the uh, of the game when he was missing. Yeah, he was he was missing Andy Dalton in uh, in the year prior. Excuse me, but yeah, in Colin in that game, he went all right. Colin Kaepernick, no matter what, if he fakes that handoff, I tackle him. If he gives that handoff, I still hit him. You want to know why? Because it forces Frank Gore to go up the middle every single time. He has to make the same exact read every time. Because he watches that, he watches that outside linebacker on his left side, and goes, "All right, he's coming down to tackle me. I have to hand it off to Frank Gore." And and that's it's a one-dimensional style of stopping that play because the inside tackle and the inside and the linebacker on the opposite side have to go inside and stop the uh, stop the play. And that's what Suggs done. He he tackled the quarterback regardless. You want to know why? Because it makes that play one-dimensional. It doesn't allow for that quarterback to keep it and get a gain off of the play. I'm okay with Suggs doing that play a million times. Now onto a different part. Are you worried about the secondary or about the front seven stopping the Redskins on defense? I No. Uh, I think what we saw out of the Redskins last week, which was RG3 just was getting blown up on every single play. Absolutely. I doubt he's going to have enough time to think about throwing it uh, when you face off against this type of a, a front seven. Uh, the Ravens are going to get after him. They're going to practice on him and use him as a tackling dummy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely worried about that at all. Uh, the secondary has actually been fairly stout this off season, or this preseason as well. Uh, again, we, we've seen that in, in the, our discussion with uh, you know Rashawn Melvin and, and Jimmy Smith. Those two guys look like they're okay to, to, to do what they need to do. Uh, and Kyle Arrington and the rest of the nickel corners look like they're able to cover the inside fairly well. So I'm not worried about the secondary like a lot of people are. Uh, and I'm certainly not worried about the secondary with an offensive line that looks like they're trying to get RG3 hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in the agreement. I'm not worried about our secondary, even in the slightest. Uh, their, best, their best weapon it's going to be Deshaun Jackson, obviously. But other than that, I cannot name you the receivers of the Washington Redskins. Their tight end, who was finally doing well, is out with a season-ending injury. So they traded a fifth-round pick for a practice squad slash third-string uh, um, tight end from the San Francisco 49ers. Nothing is special on that offense unless RG3 is perfect, but he cannot be without an offensive line that isn't trying to personally injure him 
like I did watch the Eagles offensive line when Michael Vick was back there. It's it's darn near the exact same scenario in my opinion. Um, on the on the offensive side, is there anybody you're worried about uh, against Justin Forsett or like Flacco throwing into their defense? Are you worried about any players on their team? Junior Gallette actually just got a, I think it was an Achilles tear, so we aren't yeah. even worried about their pass rush at this point anymore, I don't think, because they lost to Rackpo. They only have Kerrigan. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit it right on the head there. I'm not entirely sure. I, I couldn't name a whole lot of other Redskin players at this point. Uh, I mean, I could I could name like 2002 Redskin players, but um, right. I, I'm not worried about the Redskins in the slightest. Uh, that's not to say that the game won't be close or that it won't be uh, a loss for that matter. Yep. But I, I, I'm not worried about the starters facing anyone uh, that is, is going to be all that interesting. I kind of look at this game like, much like I would look at the game against the Browns. It's going to be a tough, tight game probably, especially with uh, the starters probably playing about half of it and then handing it off to uh, the second and third and fourth string guys uh, for the rest of the game. Uh, it's, it's going to be a fun half. Uh, that's that's all I can really say about it. All right, all right. Uh, that that for me sums up uh, everything on that preseason week three preview. Um, other than that, what what do you got, Matt? What do you what do you have left in your opinion? What would you like to discuss now? You know, I we got to go ahead and look at Arthur Brown. Uh, he is a guy okay. that has been. Uh, not exactly the greatest linebacker in, in the world, uh, and he has he has gotten a lot of flack because of his play uh, and, and even his intelligence, for that mm-hmm. matter. Um, right now, he's number two on the roster with 12 total tackles. I think that's a bad right. thing. Uh, and Daniel says, you know, where will he be? Where will he be on September 13th? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I, I think the more tackles that he mm-hmm. has, it's probably positive because it means he's playing more snaps and if you're playing more snaps in the preseason it means that you're on the they need to see what they see out of you now I think he makes the roster simply because he was a a former second round draft pick the Ravens are not going to give up on a second round draft pick that easily Uh, they will let him kind of go until his tracks out and then he'll find another team somewhere else but um, as of right now I'd like to see him do well but if he's not able to play uh, on special teams, and by all accounts he has not been playing on special teams, when Zach Orr pushes you off uh, special teams duty, that's not a good thing. But uh, I think he makes the roster simply because the Ravens need the depth at the inside linebacker position. All right, I'm all for Arthur Brown competing and becoming number two. I want him to play like a number two on the roster, though. That's my difference. As I want to see C.J. Mosley, Daryl Smith, and then Arthur Brown. And I want that because Daryl Smith, uh, excuse me, Arthur Brown, hopefully is good enough to be the backup to either of those guys. I want, say, say C.J. Mosley went out, as terrible as that sounds, I know, trust me, I'm not for him being out. I hope Arthur Brown can fill the role to 80%, which I, that's, that's my opinion. Say you have any player go down, your starter go down, you want the backup to be 80% as good as that starter, or better, 80% or better. And at this point, maybe Arthur Brown finally is that 80%. In my, I, I think I think he's close. I don't know if he is yet, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's exactly that's, it. That's pretty, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, outside of that, we, we got to talk about uh, Team Bryn or Team Schaub. Uh, which one are you going for? Kyle? Uh-huh. Are you going Are you going for Schaub or are you going for Bryn? Uh, I'm, I'm on Team Bryn. Go Team Renner. It's not Team Bryn. It's Team Renner. Okay? You got to go either go both first name or you got to go both last name. So, Daniel, I'm, I'm upset at you. But Team Renner, because <laughs> he's started to become a player that's uh, more than more than throwing pick sixes. Now, Schaub has made me eat a lot of crow lately. He's embarrassed me in his first preseason game. He made great throws and great reads. But after this second preseason game, we were 0-30 in the fourth quarter. And he said, you know what? Why not throw two touchdowns and put up stats that if it was any other player, uh, any other quarterback, imagine if, if Tebow did his stats. Imagine if Jimmy Garoppolo threw those stats that he did. He would be praised on NFL. He'd be praised on ESPN, on SportsCenter. He'd be loved. As a young guy throwing those kind of stats, groom this kid. Groom him to be your backup. Groom him to be a starter at this point. He's looking decent in these preseason games. I know it's preseason. I know he's not facing first stringers, but, man... Those numbers look good. You can't deny it. What do you think, though, Matt? You know, Kyle, I'm going to go Team Schaub. Ooh. Yeah, I know. You've been hating on Schaub since day one. Yep. But he has, as you said, made you eat your words. Yep. He has really good so far in preseason games. Now, he's looked awful in training camp. And in his defense, he did come out and say, look, we're trying some new things. Now is the time to try those things, not when there's an opponent across the field from you. Mm-hmm. You want to and try those new reads, those new looks, some of the new hot routes. You want to do that in training camp when you can and when those interceptions don't really matter. I, I agree with him. Clearly, he decided to go ahead and do something. And he has been so far this, uh, this preseason. So, I don't know. I've, I've got to hand it to, uh, to Team Schaub there. His stats look better. Uh, his stats have been against first, second teams uh, versus Bryn's uh, uh, third and fourth stringers. So I, I think just simply because of that, I think you go ahead. And do I think you got to say, say Team Shaw all the way, man. I don't agree. I mean, he's he's not going to be a starter in in the Ravens at all. He won't. Even with, in, like, three years down the road, we're not going to have Schaub. You need to supply for the future. That's always been this team's mantra, besides next man up. It's stay young, get a, release a guy a year early rather than a year late. You need to have a young, capable talent that can either win games or lose games and get the draft pick that you want. And, <laughs> and I think Bryn Renner is the win games kind of guy. I think pushing forward, making him great is a better idea than having Matt Shaw be the guy that can supply you for immediate success. I want to be successful ye always. I want to be successful always. Matt Shaw is not going to be long-term for me. It's going to be Bryn Renner and Flacco, not Matt Shaw and Joe Flacco. You know, 
I, I'm against Schaub in the late run. I want Renner good for the long haul. I, I will agree with you on that one. I think Team Renner... He agreed, team, I win. I, I'm going I'm to simply say Team Britain for the long haul, simply because Team Schaub is in his 12th season. That's not a guy that you can go ahead and, and sign next season and expect to do anything. I, I think you have Team Bryn, and, and the name Team Bryn, I'm sticking with Team Bryn, Kyle. I know you hate it, but Team Bryn sounds like something out of Game of Thrones. I like it. We're keeping Team Bryn. But he, he, I do think he's their backup quarterback of the future. I think that's that's what they're grieving him to be. And as we kind of discussed earlier on, uh, and I've written an article about it uh, earlier this week, I think he's a guy that maybe they try to sneak onto the practice squad because he has looked damn good. And if you're a team like the Browns, if you're a team like the Bills, or the Jets, there's a lot of teams out there that would love to go ahead and give him a shot and see what he can't do. Well, the Bills already took our last backup in Tyrod Taylor, so I would I would expect nothing less of uh, Bryn Renner. Yeah, really. And the Jets, you know, seem to be able to throw anybody. They, they were looking at Rex Gross, sexy Rexy. Uh, you know, oh yeah. Offensive line. Let's. I I think Bryn Renner would do just as well, if not better, than Sexy Rexy. Hey man, Sexy Rexy is is a. He went to the Super Bowl. Okay, you you back off. Yeah. So did Jake Delhomme. So did Trent Dilfer. So Trent Dilfer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Calling that man was awful. That was an awful, awful, awful Super Bowl game. That was so difficult. Will Hill right. did just get signed to a two-year deal. It's pretty much a one-year contract extension on his already baseline. Uh, I don't have the details. Matt, do you have the details? At this point, they have not been released. We do know that his base salary for two, 2015 this season is $1.542 million. So he's making a little over a million and a half this season. Uh, and the next season, we don't entirely know yet. But he is signed through 2016, from what I understand. So, um, you know, once we find out more of those details, we'll kind of be able to let you guys know. But uh, I would not expect it to be for a huge amount of money. Uh, it's not the longest deal in the world. It's it's two years, 2015, 2016. Um, no. So, you know, the Ravens are just kind of hoping that he continues to keep his nose clean, which he has done so far. So it's a smart move by the Ravens, uh, especially once we go ahead and see the the uh, amount out there and see what he's been able to do. But, uh, you know, Kyle, he, he was on PFF's top 100 for 2015, uh, I believe uh, 73. And, you know, that's saying something for a guy that mixed, that missed six games for him to still be in the top 100. Uh, that's, that's impressive. Yep. And does not read a lot of good things about uh, safety, Matt Elam. Yeah. Uh, I think this is kind of the closing door uh, being locked almost at this point for Matt Elam. And I've been a Matt Elam advocate for the year after he got drafted. I was against him being drafted for the Ravens. I wasn't a fan of him. I wanted Eric Reed. San Francisco picked up Eric Reed. He now has concussion issues, so I don't look completely stupid at this point. But uh, I, I don't I don't know. Matt Elam is a great guy. Um, he's gone through... Uh, trial after trial in his life, you know, uh, battling off personal issues. But at this point, with Will Hill being signed for a two-year contract extension, I'm not seeing Matt Elam 
being with the team unless he gets healthy sometime this season. And then not only doing that, but getting onto the field and showing he's worth something uh, this season. He has to do something this season that warrants success. That's, this is it for me, in, in my opinion. Yeah, in- In, in Matt Elam's coffin there. So it's a shame. Uh, we both have kind of liked what Matt Elam was able to do this off so far. He looked like he was uh, a guy that was going to, to rebound quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not able to do that, obviously, with a pectoral biceps injury that he did have. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. But uh, good move on the Ravens by signing re, uh, re-signing uh, Will Hill and getting him in there to a, a slightly longer-term deal. All right, we do have one last thing to discuss, and it is Martavis Bryant actually being suspended for four games this season, uh, violating the substance abuse policy. He will miss the Ravens, 49ers, Rams, and the Baltimore Ravens game showing up to Pittsburgh this season. Matt, what are your thoughts? Well, the report that's coming out right now, and this is uh, via Ian Rappaport, Mm -hmm. Uh, he said that the looming four-game suspension is for multiple failed marijuana tests. Wow. Uh, an appeal is in the latter later stages. Uh, so clearly Martavis Bryant is looking to uh, appeal that or at least hold that off for a little bit. We will not be here for week three of the preseason, sadly. We are out. We will be back for week four. Week four is next Thursday against the Atlanta Falcons. We'll get to see if that Atlanta Falcons team is any good or if the Ravens backups are even better, that might be the final countdown to team Bryn or team Shaw. No team runner. It's team Bryn. Damn team it. Runner. <laughs> All right, Kyle, unless you got anything else, man, I think we are done. Please sign on to our Patreon account. We will post a leak da- link down there in the comment section. Uh, like us, subscribe, and uh, post us up on any website that you have social media like. We love having other people show up, listen to our Rabblecast podcast, Baltimore Beatdown cast, whatever you want to say with a cast on it. Um, if you don't like it, at least share it so other people that do like it can like it. Other than that, thank you so very much to, to, for tuning in to the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. Matt, take us out. Thank you for listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. If you like what we do, please like and share us on SoundCloud, Rabble.tv, and iTunes. Also, check out our Patreon account to donate as little as a dollar toward the cause and get some cool perks. Join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern for yet another Baltimore Beatdown Podcast.